Well, first off, let me start off by saying this is entirely way too high for a podium. I'm not a giant like Father Tony. Anyway, <laughs> this church is beautiful. I just want to start off by saying that. This is just gorgeous. It's absolutely my style. Like, the more smells and bells that there are, the better. And that's because I was raised in the Russian Orthodox Church, which is very much all about the senses, the smells and the bells, literally. And so I get that because my dad is Russian Orthodox, my mother is Catholic, um, and so my sense of church and liturgy comes from my father's side of the family. Um, and you know what else I get from uh, my family is, well, a lot of their foibles, let's call them. And one of them is the fact that my dad is a perfectionist. It's one of his best and worst qualities. Growing up, if there was a household project that needed to be done, my dad wasn't going to just do it good enough. He was going to do it perfectly. And this was awesome because when things came together, you knew that they were going to last for a long time. And that solution, that fix, that, that problem that was solved was just going to last until Armageddon. He was so meticulous that he tried to think of every single variation of the problem and hedge against it. So he wasn't only fixing the problem at hand, but he was preemptively fixing every other problem that might come along from that problem. Which was also terrible. Because simple things took forever. It was three to four times longer. If we needed to fix a window, we weren't just going to fix a window. We were going to get the best window ever, and we were going to seal it and caulk it and do all sorts. I don't even know how you fix a window. But we were going to do it the best way possible. And that got really annoying when you're a child. But I'll tell you, I learned how to fix a lot of things. Clearly not windows. But anyway, my dad didn't want things to be just good enough. He wanted them to be perfect. And that got me thinking with the readings this weekend, do we want a perfect life? Most of us, most people, desire life to be good and to have things go well and to be relatively free from pain. But how many of us want life to be perfect? What does it even look like to have a perfect life? St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Romans today that we should desire a perfect life. That we should want things to be perfect. He writes to the church in Rome, telling them that they should have their mind turned towards heaven, not towards the things on earth. In doing that, he says that they will be transformed, and that because of this interior transformation, that they will be able to, quote, discern the will of God. And if we know one thing about the will of God, we know that the will of God is perfect, because God is perfect. And if he is perfect, then he cannot do anything imperfectly. So we discern what is good from the author of all goodness. We do what is pleasing for God, and we try and carry out his perfect will as best we can. For after all, the plan of the Lord is perfect. And he has been revealing that plan partially through all of salvation history. In the gospel today, Jesus reveals to his disciples the part of the plan where he will die. But Peter doesn't get it. Peter doesn't understand the perfect, so Peter wants good enough. He wants a fix right now that will benefit him and his contemporaries. But Jesus is going for perfect. Jesus knows that his life will be demanded of him because of the hardness of heart of the people who will resist him. 
He knows that the only perfect offering to make up for the sin of Adam is his own body and blood on the cross. For he is the perfect, unblemished sacrifice. From the time of Cain and Abel all the way to Jesus and beyond, God's chosen people had been offering sacrifice to God that was imperfect. Jesus came in the fullness of time to offer himself as both priest and victim, the one perfect sacrifice once and for all, that one perfect sacrifice that would free humanity from sin. And the part of the perfect plan of Jesus, I'm sorry, and that part of the perfect plan of Jesus, he was letting his disciples know was coming, but they didn't understand. But we can't just blame the disciples for being ignorant, because we often act just like the apostles. God reveals some of his plan to us, and we just simply do not get it. Now, my father, as I said, is a perfectionist. My grandfather was a perfectionist, and I have the distinct pleasure of sharing in my familial proclivity for being a perfectionist. So I know that being a perfectionist can kind of trap you in your head and can make you a prisoner in your own mind. If things aren't going the way you've planned, if stuff just feels like it's not working out, if no matter what you do, people seem to be telling you that you're doing it wrong, it can all lead to feelings of being overwhelmed or a loss of sense of control. And this is when the devil likes to get into our head and mess with us. Because he takes that beautiful, natural, God-given desire, the desire to hold ourselves to a level of excellence, and he makes us think about it over and over and over again until we build up a false reality of how things should be. And then, when God doesn't do what we want, we are left in the tension of living between what we wanted to have happen and what actually happened. And it is at that moment that we have two choices. One is to turn to sin and to avoid the problem by choosing what we always go to to make ourselves feel better. The second is that we can turn and trust God and say, yes, nothing is going the way that I wanted it to go, but that's okay. God's will be done, not my own. We can look at Satan and echo the words of Jesus and say, get behind me, Satan. I trust in God that he will take care of everything. And he will not only take care of everything, but he will make it more perfect than I could ever have imagined. Wanting to have a perfect life is not bad, nor is it a sin. But it is very important to understand what it means to have a perfect life. A perfect life is not one that is free from pain or suffering, but rather it's a life doing the perfect will of God, or at least attempting to do so as best we can. The devil tries to get us trapped in this idea that living a perfect life means that everything has to go the exact way that we want it to go, when in fact, that is the absolute recipe for disaster. It may seem like wanting to have a perfect life traps us in a life where we are afraid to make a mistake, but there is a freedom in seeking the Lord's perfect will. When we let go of our own will, and choose to follow God's will in everything, we allow him to be God, and we trust that his plan is way better than ours. And if that is true, then it doesn't matter what happens. 
because we know that he is working all things for good. We accept everything, even the sufferings, as a gift from God. We don't have to be perfectionists to enjoy a perfect life. We merely need to, be, we need, merely need to allow God to be God and to accept everything lovingly from him. Once we let go of our own will and embrace the love that God calls us to, we are able to discern God's will for us. And that brings the perfect life that the gospel calls us to. Now this can sound challenging, like I first need to become a great saint before I can do God's will. But here's the beauty of it. When you and I were conceived, the Lord gave us a protector, a guardian, an angel specific to each one of us to help us do the Lord's perfect will during our entire life. How many of us pray to strengthen our guardian angel daily? How many of us pray daily to listen better to the influence of our guardian angel? Heck, how many of us even remember daily that we have a guardian angel who is always there fighting for us? Doing the Lord's will for us leads to a much more satisfying life. And it's very easy to know the Lord's will. Step one, pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him what his will is. Step two, pray for your guardian angel's influence in your life. Step three, there is no step three. Go back to steps one and two. It's very simple. Holy Spirit, guardian angel, done. We can waste a lot of time and energy being perfectionist and trying to make life perfect the way that we want it to be. Or we can follow the Lord's will for us in all things and know that we are trying our very best to follow his perfect will, which is going to be so much better for us than we can imagine. My dad always wanted every project to be perfect so that it would save us from problems in the future. And if we live a perfect life here on earth, we hope to merit eternal life and save ourselves the biggest problem of not being with God forever in the future. We may not always understand what the Lord is doing, and we may not always agree with the Lord's plan like Peter in today's gospel. But if we just wait and allow the Lord to be in control, we will be living in God's will and have the peace that comes from that. Life isn't always the way that we want it to be, but living a life doing God's will it can be absolutely perfect.